0: I really enjoyed that, Ed. I, oh. I, I, I stike as much as I've enjoyed a football match for a very, very long time, for for all sorts of perfectly noble and frankly entirely
1: ignoble reasons. <laughs> ignoble, nice. Um, yes, I, uh, I think I tweeted out before the game that I was looking forward to it and terrified at the same time because I'd convinced myself that we were going to lose. What yeah. one of the things that I found so strange about that game was not. United being up for it and the energy that United showed, because we've seen that at times this season, not often, to be fair, and certainly not against Villa at the weekend. But we know that, that that can come out from United, especially when like McTominay's in midfield and trying to drive things. It was how passive Spurs were. I mean, they looked like, and I know I'm being extremely reductive here, they looked like end stage United. Under Jose, didn't they? I mean, that's not the that's not the Spurs side we've seen for the last three games, but it was amazing tonight. Uh, the Spurs Twitter account shared like last time we were at Old Trafford,
0: the three nil win, and like one of my Spurs friends on Twitter was like, oh, their defence is an absolute shambles. Who the hell was managing them?" Because. <laughs> You know, it was weird. It was a weird flex. I kind of wanted to quote tweet it with weird flex, but OK, because like, that's your manager now. You, That's your problem now. Yeah, that's right. Um, but it's we like were... all,
1: all their dynamic players just didn't show up. I mean, at least we'll get onto it. Ali scored an amazing goal, but they hardly deserved a thing. If United run out three no winners tonight, been fully deserved. Energy all over the pitch from United. Solid at the back for the most part. Marcus Rashford, his best game of the season. He was absolutely devastating. Uh, I mean, you know, I know these are hot takes, but um, that felt felt really good, didn't it? Yeah,
0: how nice is it to be talking about Marcus Rashford's absolutely devastating man-of-the-match performance? I mean, you know, if you were having man-of-the-match rankings, Rashford kind of wins by a mile, on the strength of the goals and just his all round performance was superb anyway. But as the game went on and on and on, Fred is like climbing up the rankings and getting closer and closer and closer to Rashford. Fred was absolutely like, I'm just going to say it I'm going to say it from my chest. Fred was absolutely, absolutely fantastic in this game
1: fantastic <laughs> i mean I don't, I don't want to sound debbie Danrich because i'm not because it was his best game maybe since paris right? ever
0: it's his best game it's the best game he's ever played in any form of the
1: game the weird thing about it what was uh as he was getting a lot of ball spurs didn't know how to deal with him and it's not that his movement is amazing they did not put anyone on him at all and he does crumble under any kind of pressure which is it's it's almost as if they had zero plan for him at all <laughs> or they weren't <laughs> yes, expecting McTominay to be in the side and they're expecting Fred to be the deeper play player and he wasn't and they, they just didn't deal with him do you think it's possible that Mourinho has legitimately forgotten that Fred existed do you, think done, that's yeah. what, do
0: you think that's what happened? Like That's why they didn't put anyone. He's like looking at the team sheet going, Fred, who's that sign? Oh my God, Fred. I remember Fred. That's the guy um, I
1: had chained up in my basement for a while.
0: <laughs> yeah. But you know, you say he crumbles under any pressure. Not in this game. By the end of this game, he had three men on him and he was slotting devastating through balls to the wide areas. Like absolutely unbelievable scenes
1: from your boy Fred. Like <laughs> no, uh, just, look, it's, it's great to watch and you know, it's the kind of player we want and I'm not going to extrapolate from that performance from Fred and assume he's going to become a good footballer at all. Uh, But it was really great to see. And I thought McTominay, obviously, just it's just so obvious he creates a sense of confidence in the back four. He stops the shots coming in. United just look miles, miles, miles uh, more solid with him in the team, I don't know what his ceiling is. I suspect it's not that much higher than we're seeing now with McTominay, because I don't know how much more raw ingredients there are. But but this is an effective Premier League defensive all-round midfielder. It would be nice if there was another step up for him, and he could start creating as well as defending, for sure. But right now, it's uh, it's great to watch his development because I have to say there are a lot of haters and. We doubted him a lot, mm, um, and I think absolutely. the fact that he's been out for a while and came in and had such a dominant dominant performance against Underbelly and Sissoko and, and Ali and that excellent Tottenham midfield says a lot about him. And Fred, credit for Fred yeah, too.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, I actually, it, I think McTominay was not brilliant on the ball today. I mean, we know he's that's you, like you say, like can he step up in terms of. Creation and and that, and there were a couple of times on Spurs counters where actually their midfield kind of outmuscled him a bit. And you know, it was uh, a number of times late in the game, twice in a row actually, one where Aurier had a shot and the other where Aurier had a cross, both of which went straight to De Gea. But the whole kind of build up play, they'd been quite dominant. And in a way, you'd sort of expect McTominay to drop off later in a game like this, given you know, given that he's been out for a long time. I thought, um, well, I made a load of notes as I've, I've recently been doing. Um, James trying to take out Mourinho at the knees, quite literally. It was good. I thought
1: Mourinho made a lot of that. It was it was a barely a scrape, and he's he's pretending like he's been two footed.
0: Also, Mourinho, grown man, like uh, with a little bit of a sore knee, not even one ounce of human care for a young child who's just smashed his head off his knee. Honestly, what are you doing anyway? um the, it's what what yeah, you get
1: with sociopaths i mean
0: um i uh, i've got a note on the the goal yeah you're right uh, i got a note on the goal the first goal it just says um unreal shot and then everyone ruined by amazon which i meant spoiled not ruined so uh, loads and loads of people knew that goal was happening before they'd seen that goal happening um, you, you just w- wrote FFS in the group and I was like oh my god am I behind and it's been chalked off for VAR but you were like no that no, was just you were just annoyed that you'd had it spoiled for no me. it's a
1: workflow and it's it's um I, I, it's kind of frustrating doubly frustrating for me because I know exactly why this is happening you know being sort of in the industry and stuff and I I knew people would be moaning about it and they were moaning last night about it and it's there's not a lot that can be done I mean there is stuff that can be done but it requires a lot of uh, cloud infrastructure at the edge of the network. Anyway, it's like super long, geeky explanation as to how you could get that workflow down. But for the moment, um, I my advice is, do what I did, which was turn off all the notifications. (laughs) The thing is, you say it's
0: doubly frustrating for you because you know why it's happening. I don't think that makes it any more frustrating for you, Ed. I think it's an experiential frustration at the same level across the board. No, fair fair enough, fair (laughs) Um, enough. But I have to say, well, I guess we should talk about it. You know, um, uh, as friend of the show, Awate, said to me in the WhatsApp... There's no ethical consumption within capitalism, and he's not wrong there. Um, but the uh, the experience of these games being on Amazon is so—it's just like everything with Amazon, right? They're an evil company on almost every level, but their ability to provide convenience is. Absolutely. They have tapped into humanity's most fundamental weakness, which
1: is a need for convenience above oh, all. Yeah. Yeah, and, yeah. Like, give it, give is... us a drug and give us a, it to us quick. I mean, they didn't overproduce a lot of this. I mean, it's very simple production, uh, panel, people by the pitch side. And um, I, I suppose if they were having more than just these two rounds of games, they'd have gone the full BT Sky treatment and given it a lot more, you know, and they haven't done that, but but... This is a glimpse into what the future of of uh, football broadcasting could be, and and we were talking in the uh, WhatsApp group about the you know what immediately came to mind for me was w- what is the elasticity of football? So, and what I mean by that is like what is the sweet spot for the price of a monthly package of football, and how many people you could grow it by so you get X revenue, right? So that's that's what all the broadcast companies are doing. They're trying to work out well. If I pay this, how much do I have to charge, and how many subscribers will I get? and And the theory in in most of the Internet is that you make stuff free or cheap and you like grow your audience massively, and you get you know having those massive platforms gives you, gives you the opportunity to provide lots of different services. That is Amazon's theory. So if Amazon was showing football all the time, they would do what Amazon do, and they'd cut it down to the bare margins and make money elsewhere. You know. Anyway, so it's a little yeah. glimpse into what could be the future of sports broadcasting, and it would be awesome, wouldn't it?
0: Yeah, I mean, the quality On my experience, obviously people's mileage will vary. My experience was of an incredibly, per- literally perfect, incredibly high-quality experience, and the ability to choose between all the games that are on at the same time. I mean, I get the kind of FSF, um, Football Sports Federation kind of fears around this and the effect on... On crowd attendance and these sorts of things, but ultimately, I am not convinced that the elasticity of crowd in- engagement in football is much affected by whether games are on TV or well, not. Well, the I, I internet we'll thesis,
1: right? So, if you, it's not just in the UK; it's globally. If you sold rights in a different way, not region by region, and it's actually it's the thing that has done so well for the Premier League that they, you know, they sell rights you know, region by region, country by country, um, and try and create a bidding war in each country, and that's why the international rights are so valuable. There's another way of thinking about this, which is um, if you make the price point accessible and you make the service accessible, and for sure a £25 Amazon Fire stick in the back of your telly or a smart telly is more accessible than having a dish on the side of your, your house and a decoding box and all of that kind of stuff, make it accessible and a reasonable price point, you can massively increase the number of units. You know, the unit economics change fundamentally and and perhaps they change so fundamentally, extrapolating out further and further, uh, that ticket prices are extremely cheap.
0: Yeah, so absolutely. It's not
1: exactly what's happened in American sports because ticket prices are still really expensive.
0: Yeah, um, but American sports have a weird supply and demand model, not at baseball because baseball is like hugely oversupplied, but everything else is like, well, there's a lot of basketball games too, aren't there? But American football in particular is really under isn't it? Cuz like 15 games a season or right. something. Yeah, so, yeah,
1: 9 home games a season then plus postseason or whatever it yeah. is, yeah.
0: So, so that's the the anyway, kind of very long
1: uh, very long side conversation there. Back to the game. Well, Rashford, one of the things um Rashford was brilliant. United you know, oh, were excellent. You know, he still didn't create lots of good chances. No, and I was, was gonna the say the funny like, thing about that game.
0: Yeah, I was gonna say, I think one of the reasons why it feels like such a good performance is that they 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 kept a very high level of pressure up all the way through, especially all the way through the first half and the first two-thirds of the second half, both in terms of like um pressure in the sense of pressing the ball. I put United hunting in packs and a million exclamation marks at one point when I think it was uh, Fred Lingard and A.N. Other on the right-hand side like absolutely ravenously ripping the ball back after a a corner kick went wrong. But also a lot of pressure in terms of um, constantly testing them, not with brilliant shots, but like the, the, the free kick from Rashford, which was whipped in with a side foot. It wasn't quite a knuckleball. It wasn't quite a curler into the top corner. It was a Ronaldo-esque hybrid of both, I thought.
1: Created pressure, created situations, didn't turn that into to awesome goal-scoring opportunities. And, and look, that's that's generally United's problem. But I think we were very good through midfield, very solid at the back. I mean, nothing from Tottenham at all. they um, the ridiculous. Uh, we talk about XG and some of its failings. Point uh, two four on Deli Ali's goal. That's that's from the shot. I mean, that's this point, no, 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 not one from the situation yeah. he's in. Because you know he's good defending. He's, he's tight. Um, and uh, ali's uh, ali's just yeah brilliant just amazing piece of skill to flick it handball it and then score the goal <laughs>
0: um, I, I i put before that um that united looked really up for this this was about 23 minutes united looked so up for it and then rashford hit that shot that gazaniga saved another thing that kind of makes the game feel like united played really well that would be a, a, a tiny minuscule xg chance but very very nearly a goal and, and a really good save from Gazaniga. Making up for his awful flappy hand at the flappy hand at the near goal. post.
1: Yeah. have yeah. uh, some some thoughts on some other players tonight. I thought Jesse Lingard had an effective game finding space in between the lines. I mean Well, this is this is it. Like Jesse Lingard's movement was world class. His his quality on the ball, not so much. Mm. No. But at least he's more dynamic than Pereira. And uh, he, I, for me, he's a better choice than Pereira if you're going to play someone there. I mean, the better choice would be an actual number 10 of high quality but you know hey in lieu of that I uh, thought Jesse did okay. Uh Mason Greenwood okay I mean not involved in the game very much had a couple of half chances and I think the thing with Mason is he he gets involved in the game an awful lot more at uh, under 23 and under 18s level and he hasn't quite found his role so far and and he was sometimes up front sometimes off the right mostly up front tonight um, yeah. and, and it's like, it, maybe it's a confidence thing, but he comes alive when the ball's at his feet and he's not getting involved in the games as much as he can do, I think.
0: I do think that this. Um, so, first of all, I, I meant to say this. I did a little preview on Instagram, uh, NQAT pod, like and that's where we are on everything, pretty much. Maybe we're maybe not there on Facebook yet, but every, everywhere else. No, no, I think. we're
1: there, Facebook, NQAT oh, yeah. oh, pod. Great.
0: Yeah, they just refused to change our name. I oh, don't okay. know why. I changed my name on Twitter and now I haven't got a blue tick anymore, Ed. I'm sad. Um, oh. I'm, It's all gone. Um, but oh. anyway, uh, on Instagram, did a hey. little preview because there'd been rumours that he was playing uh, three at the back. And at that point, you thought he's going to play three at the back and not play Greenwood. But the fact that he played Greenwood centre forward, I thought was an inspired choice because although he didn't get involved on the ball a lot, I, I can't help thinking one of the reasons that Rashford actually had space to work into Today was that it, there was a centre forward they had to think about their movement and he yeah, wasn't just yeah, no, standing I,
1: there. I, I think you're right. Look, Marcus has done all his best work this season coming off the left, mm-hmm. right. That's inspired his better form. I, I think, and he would say that that he can do that from a centre forward position. That part of the problem is when United aren't playing well and he's miles and miles away from a midfield that's not getting close to him. That is not his game. You know, he wants the ball in front of him all the time. That's where he's devastating. He can definitely do that from wide positions. He can do that from a centre-forward role if people get close enough to him.
0: But my point, you're absolutely right, I agree with all of that, my point wasn't about Rashford as a centre-forward, It's about Martial as a no, centre-forward no. and Greenwood, Greenwood being in there rather than Martial being in there and maybe that movement difference benefiting
1: sure. Rashford. When, when Martial's feeling confident and in form, he's got great movement. Great. Yeah. He always yeah, wants yeah. the ball into his feet for yeah. sure. Yeah. So, again, think about the forwards we've got. We are not going to be playing with players with their back to goal and holding it up. You know, we, we, Oli wants us to play in the transition, as we talked about a lot on last, last week's pod. So, when Martial's in form, he looks good there, right? And, and he's got all the attributes to be, yeah, a cliche, but a world class centre forward. He's got all the attributes. It just doesn't come together very often and he's come back from injury not feeling good and now he's got another injury.
0: Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I love him obviously. So that's I want that I want that on the record as if it isn't already massively on the record. The um it's on the, the broken record. <laughs> there's a bit of a, a disappointing I mean obviously this is a game full of positives one one kind of fairly substantial negative i thought was the way united responded between the goal and halftime i mean it was a massive sucker punch and it did suck the wind out of them and you can really understand that but it was just so indicative of how flat their confidence is they just it was like a balloon had been popped and and they just didn't do a single good thing basically between the goal and time. um but
1: second half started in the best way possible right it did, and it really needed that because I, 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 it was visible, wasn't it? You know, after Ali had scored, that suddenly Tottenham were on, uh, on the up, and they come in after the break, and you think they're going to be in the ascendancy, and their quality will, will play out, uh, and and it didn't. I mean, uh, immediately Marcus is having a go at the uh, the Spurs defense, so direct they're terrified of him. Just a dumb, ta- dumb, dumb tackle from the wrong side. Such poor defending, that is. I mean, obvious penalty. Uh, and he's put it away. Uh, over two minutes he had to wait for Incredible. the VAR check. I mean, can't we do... Like, like there's, there's situations where VAR, VAR makes sense. One is, did the player handball it after doing a trick before putting it in the net? Obvious <laughs> handball. Is it a penalty, a check? Is it offside? Well, people are a bit more unsure about that. There's there's stuff where you feel like the technology, there's the seeds of it could work. But the length of time is just incredible. I mean, it doesn't take that long in cricket. and It's a much more complex game. Uh, I don't know. It takes 10 seconds in tennis to work out whether a ball going at 150 kilometres an hour is one millimetre on the line or over the line. I take it you didn't
0: see the Rory Burns run-out DRS in the New Zealand test. Uh, which... I, I did see the <laughs> Yes, I did see
1: the replay of that, yeah.
0: Um, but then there are always, of course, exceptions that prove the rules, and they don't mean that the rules aren't the rules. Um, so uh, the, the thing is, the VAR check took long enough, watching Rashford in the close-up, and he looked really nervous. And then the referee spent 30 seconds trying to get the people to stand outside the box and just kept, like, looking at them and pointing them. I'm thinking, and it was a Spurs player. It wasn't a, a United player. And I was thinking, this is really bad refereeing because surely, give him one warning, watch him as the penalty's taken. If Rashford misses, retake the penalty. Don't make Rashford wait even
1: longer. But anyway. I, it, it's odd, isn't it? Because, I mean, I know they did they, in those... It, Peace situations referees do organise, right? They get the wall back, they say, You're not allowed to be in this wall, no pushing, whatever. They at at uh, where there's grappling at corners, they sort of manage and organise it. And but I think you're right. How many warnings? They're professional players, they know that you're not allowed to, you know, um egress into the ingress into the penalty area
0: mm. during Encro- penalties. Encroach so, is the most encroach, sort of words, but isn't it?
1: Yeah. but yeah. In- ingress is also correct. Yeah, you're not allowed to but... make
0: ingress into the panel area. Um, it's uh, late. <laughs> this, is, this is what people come here for, isn't it? Pedantic debates about um, word choice. But yeah. Yes, at I,
1: uh, I work I, uh, I have a professional coach, just a side uh, side um, anecdote here, who accused me of using too much Latin. I don't use a lot of Latin. What did but you apparently do... I
0: use too many long words. Was it... Post hoc, ergo, proctor hoc. Yeah, exactly <laughs> that. <laughs> yeah. Um that's the only Latin I know. Uh, and the only Latin I know is from either the West Wing or Asterix books. Asterix books. Those are the two only good options. sources to be fair. Yeah, exactly. Um the uh the the thing about that penalty was Rashford took it absolutely brilliantly. He he managed to get Gasaniga to move. Can't help thinking Gasanegar just should not have moved when Rashford no. slowed down his... Well
1: two things. One is well, you know, like, Gazanika hasn't seen Rashford's penalty stats, right? So he's gone. That's fifth out of six penalties. He's gone that side this season, um, and and the other one is yes, he's waiting for you to to move. And after that, the pressure in a microsecond switches to Rashford because he's not. That's not a great penalty. I think the I think that's a point six penalty, something like that. It's it's a good four foot inside the. Uh, inside the post there and he's not hit it with loads of pace so yeah i i think you're right he probably saves that if he waits yeah so um then then you know united were were pretty good still
0: i i thought the impetus really did go out of the game with the substitutes i thought the decision to bring off Greenwood for Pereira was um, just, just straightforwardly a mistake given the incredibly poor quality of Andreas Pereira's play recently. And I, he immediately... Well, I know, I
1: mean, he compounded it by bringing Shaw on. <laughs> well, so that's he's just was... trying to pack midfield at that point.
0: Yeah, and he, he put Shaw in a weird place. He played Shaw kind of theoretically, I think, left midfield ahead of Ashley Young, dropping into a back six. Um... Yeah, oh, it was um... interesting.
1: There was um, one breakaway where... Uh, there's three against one, and Shaw just has to put the ball in. Rashford goes offside, which is criminal, and Shaw is absolutely treading water trying to keep up with that ball. I mean, he he is three yards quicker two years ago or something. I I, I don't know what's happening. He's just just clearly not sharp enough, but not sharp enough, and an awful ball saved by the offside.
0: I wrote, um, in all caps, Luke Shaw not staying onside in that run was a sackable offence. Um, and then, uh, in all caps, a few moments later, Ali shot, saved by Dave. Thank you, Eric. And then, um, a massive challenge on the Tongan by A.W.E.B. and it's over and we win, in lo- with lots of letters. But the the I just wanted to mention AWB, who I thought was, I mean, we all know, attacking, problem, etc., etc., etc. I thought he was monumental defensively in this game like it just made so many really and he's had a few not so good games so it was good to see him have a big game
1: yeah what did you make of the the Spurs lineup because there's a few interesting selections I thought anyway Harry Winks started and I spent some time last week saying he doesn't look like a Mourinho player to me uh who does look like a Mourinho player didn't you know, the kind of dynamic, like very modern midfielder underbelly. Um, and more started over Ericsson. Not not less of a surprise that one because given Ericsson's contract situation in his like poor form for some time. Um but it wasn't necessarily necessarily obvious that sort of starting lineup from um from Mourinho.
0: I tell you, I've got one I agree with all of that, one succinct thought about that starting lineup. I don't care what anybody says. I will never be anything other than absolutely delighted that Jose Mourinho is not the manager of Manchester United FC.
1: <laughs> I know there was a piece in the Times this morning uh, which basically was a revisionist piece saying you know, like basically given the results under Solskjaer, perhaps we ought to rethink how good the Mourinho era was, right? And and fine, if you just look at results and, you know, they had a poor period at the end, you could you could you could revise history. You could go, look, They finished second, they won the the, uh, League Cup, they won uh, UEFA, uh, what the hell? Europa Europa League. League. Europa League. Uh, And um, Jose didn't get the staff he wanted and he had a bad start and whatever, right? wasn't entirely his fault, but that would be to miss out entirely the context and his sacking is all about that context, which is by the time he left, he had no friends left. He was his only friend at Manchester United, he'd alienated absolutely everybody. Uh, yeah. and, and that's the thing that matters. And so when you get pieces like that, they just, they, they're willfully ignorant about the toxicity that he'd created at this club.
0: This is the key word, willfully ignorant. The man literally himself said he'd fallen out of love with football. I was thinking about this, by the way. How much of this is the fact that he lived in a flipping hotel the whole time? you know you're just thinking like everything about that was just it was just bad life choices anyway and he was just like flat out really down and flat and unmotivated and uninspired by the end of that period anyway i'm i'm i was i was really glad you know it's probably all going to go wrong uh, at the weekend against city but this was this was a big if we got to lose to one of them I'd rather lose to Guardiola than Mourinho, to be honest. Um, anyway, <laughs> we will, uh, we'll talk about that after the break. The No Question About That podcast is brought to you by the good people who back us at Patreon. If you want to get involved, head to patreon.com slash nqatpod. Respect, 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 respect.
1: Right, so... City at the weekend. Did you watch City versus Burnley on Tuesday night? I don't know why, right? But for some reason, I
0: was really drawn to watching Palace Bournemouth. It's a a very weird life choice, but I did enjoy it because um, it featured a Geoffrey Schlupp goal, which is one of those beautiful goals in football where it's a combination of sort of has all the trappings of an absolutely brilliant goal. But when you look at it, he didn't really have to do much. He just sort of ran into the box and side-footed it in. But there were quite a lot of defenders near him, so it sort of made it feel a bit like peak Diego Maradona.
1: Nice. Uh, City were very good. Frighteningly good, I think. Uh, They kept the ball very comfortably. You you could build uh, an away game at Burnley as one of those games, you know, high-energy Burnley side, putting it into the mixer, Uh, don't suffer fools gladly. Not going to lionise all these City stars and kind of build a narrative around it like that. And it wasn't that at all. They were just totally, totally dominant and comfortable and scored some blinding goals as well. Kind of frightening because they haven't been perfect this season. Far from it. I mean, they're obviously a long way behind Liverpool in in the table now. They've got defensive problems, a lot of injuries. It's imbalanced their side because they're playing midfielders in defensive positions. What they do have is just an incredible amount of talent. So Aguero injured at the moment. Uh, Jesus came in. Very good game. He's not always been Guardiola's first choice. Um Around him, Silva, De Bruyne, Sterling, all excellent. Just, well, just Silva, top, top class. I mean, Silva doesn't... David yeah, Silva's having a difficult season, isn't he? Yeah, By I his mean, he, standards. By his standards, which are incredibly high, though. They have a problem at left back. I mean, they played um, played the youngster uh, Zinchenko's out at the moment. Benjamin Mendy's not quite fit, not um, uh, not uh, ready. Maybe never will be ready. Um, so they definitely have some defensive issues. It's just you got to get the ball off them, and they're they're going to have sixty five percent possession against us.
0: Well, it's weird, isn't it? Because they they had that game against Chelsea where um, Guardiola first time in Guardiola's entire career that his team had less possession than the other team, which is an absolutely ballistic statistic when you when you think about it. Um, but it's kind of interesting. And there's been a lot talked about their kind of drop-off. And I think their drop-off is almost entirely defensive, though, because if you look at their attacking... Uh, listen, football is not all about the raw data. We talk a lot about the flaws in the XG model, and one of the flaws in the XG model is that football is not... Uh, like, life is not... Th- break down a ball into component parts in that way stuff happens we can all feel that Liverpool are going to win the league this year we all know this and and in a way they've sort of been better than City in in the kind of key area of making sure whatever happens on earth you win the football match which is like what Alex Ferguson did for his entire career basically but the data like their non-penalty xG is forty-two this season. Forty-two to put that into context, Liverpool mighty Liverpool's is only
1: twenty-five. As after fifteen games, oh, it's, got, a, it's stunning. Yeah, it's stunning. They they create so many chances, and they will against uh, a United back four, which is pretty static or can be. Be interesting to see who's in that back four. Young played tonight. Will he play again at the weekend? They're going to risk Brandon Williams coming up against Carl Walker, Kevin De Bruyne on that right-hand side. That'd be a big, big, big test for him. I, I'd be surprised, I think. And and in midfield, I mean, Rodri, I assume they won't deploy him in the back four, which they have done, um, was absolutely dominant. Scored a stunning goal as well. He, he's a really, really good player. And I, I think one of the things that is... Um, I'm very jealous about, honestly, about cities. not just that they have money, but they just deploy it really well. And they don't often, they haven't often been buying players right at their peak. They've actually been spending an awful lot of money on players who are just sub-peak, who are young, who they believe, and I'm sure they put a lot of data into their scouting as as much as Ed Woodward likes to brag about our 857 analysts or whatever we've got. Um, I'm sure they put an awful lot of time uh, into getting the right player and they do and they get them just before their peak and you see it time and time again and very rarely do they go out and buy an older player.
0: Yeah, I mean, they've, they have kind of spent a lot of money on fullbacks and they've got big fullback problems and they've spent a lot of money on central defenders and been I- unable to identify a central midfielder. But their they're kind of attacking and midfield choices have been absolutely spectacular. And, you know, a lot of people have been talking about Guardiola leaving at the end of this season, and, and including us, actually, and it could happen. But, you know, before the Tottenham game, as we were recording the Tottenham preview and I was like super negative, I did have a kind of momentary flash in my mind of, well, there is also the possibility that the weird thing that happens every now and again, where United are suddenly brilliant for no reason, just like happened again today. Um, It, it, It did, but this is a different level. I completely agree because, like you said, Tottenham were really passive and and a lot of Tottenham's best players had bad games. Aurier was, I'm not saying he's one of their best players, but he was woeful in this game and it was a massive problem for them. Um,
1: Yeah, he's been woeful quite a bit. yeah. Yeah. I mean, in my mind, I'm trying to think of a scenario in which United win this and I think the only one is we play with a very low block. We're intense in midfield, so we're constantly, we're making sure that low block is not too low right, so they can't sort of pass it around us and score the classic City goal, um, that they have to take a few more risks to break that down. Uh, and and we're absolutely solid there. And they don't score any worldies, no piece of individual brilliance at all. And we managed to score from the 30% possession we get, which might mean it's a set piece. And we don't score corners or from free kicks, except if they're direct free kicks. So it might mean a Rashford knuckleball worldie from 40 yards out i i mean it's there's the the scope of the scenarios in which united win this game are so so narrow just because we know the city are very predictable predictable in their passing the play but that's very very hard to compete against it does feel like as well that you know For a lot of this
0: season, we have been much better organised defensively. We have kind of really reduced the number of big chances that we've conceded. But when we concede big chances, blimey, do we concede big
1: chances. Yeah, and And we still concede 25% more chances than City. Yeah
0: so you you shared a number of overall shots from open play taken by United and City this season. And it was have you got that piece of data in front of you still? Uh,
1: it's, Yeah it's like uh, 246 to City and 143 to United. Oh, so God. yeah. Uh, it is
0: it is pretty terrifying this game. Of course uh, the one upside of us losing to City is that it continues the possibility that Liverpool don't win the league this season. Oh, by the way, I should say that Liverpool's uh, non-penalty xG number that I shared earlier was before the five-two destruction of Everton in the Merseyside derby. That was they—they uh, uh, they had some big chances in that game. To be fair, I, to look, us. as
1: I've said, I'm just not concentrating. I was too focused on that last year, and it was like it's horrible to have to make the choice. You know, it's a Sophie's choice, isn't it, between City and Liverpool? For the, I, don't, I just don't want it. I, I much rather enjoy watching United. It's frustrating because we're getting the Villa performance awful, especially that first half, truly awful. And then this, which was very, very good, you know, and and the difference between that performance from United, which they could produce every week, right? If they get it to click. And then just a bit better than that, top four quality is creating more chances and taking more chances. Absolutely.
0: So, um, I don't, you know, everybody knows what City will offer. I I think the specific threat to United down the left, down our left, their right is going to be where City's maximum joy comes from because, you you know, wan he does have, you know, he's not perfect or anything, but he's obviously a much more solid option defensively. Yeah. And you'd think they'll, they'll target our left, their right.
1: For sure. It, it doesn't really matter who's it, whether it's Young, sure, or Brandon Williams. It's going to be yeah. a weakness for United. I I do wonder whether it plays into Ollie's thinking. Because, I mean, if he plays the same system and Rashford on the left, he's, Rashford's good defensively. I mean, he's certainly going to work back. But if he's getting the ball 60 yards from goal, he's not going to be much of a threat. We're not going to get that performance out of him if he has to cover all the time. So yeah. it, they, there may be some tinkering there, although it hasn't happened a lot with the front three.
0: Yeah, and there's just not that many options, are there? I mean, you looked at the bench again today and you're thinking, well, there's kind of no one on that bench that you want to see come on, really. Yeah. So I,
1: I wouldn't be shocked if, if he went to a 3-5-2 or a 5-3-2 <sighs> again. Because it's one of those formations you can break out of. If you can get somebody out of that midfield getting close enough to that front two, yeah. so you can get ball to them, it's one of those ones where you can defend in a low block and try and break, but which it's, is, it's still it's it's like low percentage.
0: Which is very like very low percentage. It's why it's like so frustrating, Jesse Lingard's so frustrating, because he can do all the the psychological work, the intellectual work brilliantly, it's just then when the ball is at his feet and he's got the front two ahead of him. The chances of him actually finding them seem to be fairly limited, but I'd much rather it was him doing that than Pereira, that's for sure. But anyway, most likely, I guess um, we—I mean, we predicted a, a defeat, and it was proved gloriously wrong—the uh, Tottenham game. Um, oh God, we beat Mourinho! Ah, oh, it feels really good. I don't want to end on the downer. Like, I think City are going to win like three-one. Where's uh, where's Mike Luhg? Um, I found so, blocked. <laughs> somebody had uh it's this the new nowadays i know everyone knows this already but you have to i'm old man coming back to twitter um like you see things that people have liked and i saw somebody somebody liked uh mike luhg cheat to tweet and so he appeared in my feed so i, I immediately blocked him and everyone else should too because uh why not yes. i mean do what you like you know don't um this is i'm not trying to organize i'm not out here trying to organize a pylon. um however objectionable someone might be but forget that guy the key is manchester united beat jose mourinho and also some football team that he manages lads it's tottenham i was a bit worried that at half time mourinho was just going to walk into their dressing room and be like lads it's united and uh, and they would have dominated that second half but no they dramatically failed their amazon documentary is going to be rubbish
1: <laughs> glory glory man united I I'd I'd love a United Amazon document. <laughs> what a car crash that would be. Anyway, uh let's not uh, end on a downer. Uh, that that was a great performance from United, thoroughly deserved victory. Uh, very surprising. I have to say I'd I'd half convinced myself that this might be Olly's last week in charge at United. He's definitely bought himself some time, whatever the result in the Derby, unless it's like a six nil spanking and he quits at half time or something like that, he'll be uh here. He's bought himself some some time and the club some time to make a sensible rational decision um so he'll see out his you know his first year in charge of manchester united and i wasn't sure that was going to happen
0: absolutely absolutely So well done Oligon of Solskjaer and long may this continue in the sense that somehow it turns out he does know what he's doing, even though it's hard to believe that to be the case, but nonetheless, he certainly knew what he was doing today. The players certainly knew what they were doing today. Emotionally United were tremendous. I don't know what the XG was, but the XFG where the FG stands for feel good was a, a lot higher on United's part than it was on Spurs's. So, um, Thank you for listening. We, we we hope you're enjoying this kind of uh, up-to-the-minute podcasting that we're doing now. Um, let us know. Uh, and uh, we'll be back with another one of these after
1: the City game at the weekend. Certainly we will. See you on Monday. In the meantime, NQAT pod on Twitter, Facebook, Insta. Leave us a review and a rating on iTunes. Helps everyone else find the show. Especially since we are now back in the u k football charts, for some weird reason, we've been classified in the arts visual arts chart, which meant we were competing with the new york New Yorker Review of Books and beating them out frequently so <laughs> yeah n q o t
0: and greater than sign NYTROB. Anyway, back where we belong, and uh, we'll see you on Monday. And yeah, if you like the show, by the way, please tell all your United supporting friends and get them to listen to it too, because uh, that that is one of the best ways to grow a
1: podcast. And before we go, just a quick word about our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash NQAT pod. If you really like the show, uh, back us there. From $1 and up, and you can access some really cool rewards like t-shirts, artwork, and mugs. fish for